Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Let's look at Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, and we're going to see the answer to racism in our study this morning. And I don't plan this ahead of time. This is just the Holy Spirit and the way he works. And so in Acts 17, we're going to cover verses uh, 1 through 15. Here in the early original 50s, we find Paul and the team about halfway through their second missionary journey. And we last saw them in Philippi, where they had been beaten and thrown into jail for no justifiable reason. But God even used that situation for his glory. And we took note of a very important biblical principle last week. That God is at work even in the darkest times of our lives. That is a biblical principle that's very important for all of us to understand. Because oftentimes when we go through a situation, we may find ourselves accusing God. uh, Where are you? Why are you not listening? Why are you not answering my prayers? Uh, I can't believe that uh, you call yourself God, but you're doing this, that, and the other thing. God is always with us. We need to remember that's a biblical doctrine. That's a biblical principle. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And not to rely upon our emotions. We have emotions. We need to go through those emotions, but not rely upon them. Always go back to the word of God. And as you do that, 2 Corinthians, I think it's 10.5, we're called to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. So let's read over our text. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews, who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, this is Paul and Silas, They dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, 
many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and received a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed. They departed. Father, we again thank you for the morning as we continue in our worship of you. Maybe there's someone watching and has not learned yet that worship is not singing alone. That our lives are to be lives of worship 24-7. Whether we're at work, with our neighbors, in our community, at school. We're to love you and to love one another. That is worship. And so, Father, we come to worship you by allowing your Holy Spirit to search our hearts, to evaluate my heart, that I might mature and be more like your son Jesus at the end of this day than I am right now, than we are right now. That's our goal in this life, Father. There's no greater goal than to be more like your son. And, Father, I pray for the gift of teaching, that your word will be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're new or visiting, or if you're new on the internet, uh, we're going verse by verse. So now we read our, our text, so now we'll go through and we'll break it down. Now when they, so this is Paul and Silas and the team, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. So in our text this morning, we see that they passed through two smaller towns in which Luke gives us uh, no details except for their names. Again, remember, Luke is the one who authored the book of Acts via the Holy Spirit. We then see the team moving towards that major city of Thessalonica, which is about 100 miles southwest of Philippi. It was the capital of the region of Macedonia and was the most populous city in the region. It was also the main seaport into Macedonia and was another city on the main overland trade route, which this is very important, which means they would have had a lot of people coming and going, and that trade route was named the Ignatian Way, which ran from Rome to the southern tip of the Black Sea. So this was a major trade route. Once in Thessalonica, Paul found that there was a synagogue there, and that's very important to our text, verse 2. Then Paul, as his custom was. And so this is very important. I actually have those four words in my Bible highlighted. I encourage you to highlight your Bible or underline it, make notes in it. As his custom was. You see, you have a custom. You have a desire to be with other believers. So you're here at church this morning. That's fantastic. And that's very, very important. In speaking to other pastors and hearing other pastors speak nationally, um, there, is going to, there is a move taking place through this whole virus, where over time, we're going to see that there are going to be certain brethren, certain sisters, certain saints that say they're the body of Christ that are no longer going to attend church. They found out that it's more convenient to watch online than to actually be in a body. And that is very unfortunate. Because as you read the scriptures, the body needs every member. 
And yes, during this, this time, if you're elderly, you're compromised, we're encouraging you to stay home. There's no guilt, no, none of that nonsense, no lack of faith. Please look at the big picture here. For it's easy to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It is really easy to do that. And so you have made a commitment, those of you who are here and, and those who are at home, I, I know there's many of you that want to be here, but you can't. We understand that, so this is not talking to you. So don't take it. This is for those at, who are watching that have forsaken the assembly just for, well, you know what, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the virus. Have you forsaken Home Depot? Have you forsaken Walmart? Have you forsaken going anywhere where there's a population, a group of people that are close together? Don't believe the lie of the enemy. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You belong in a church. You belong in a fellowship. If not here, somewhere. You need to get into a Bible-believing church as a believer, if you can. Again, big picture. Because we need you. The church needs you. The body needs you. You have gifts. And so then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Very, very important. So notice that Paul had an attitude of when he went somewhere, he's, this is like vacation, but he's on a missionary journey. He didn't say, well, I'm on vacation. I'm going to forsake going to church for a month or two or three. Paul's traveling for a long time here and he's, he's not forsaking the synagogue. He's going to the synagogue. Because that was his role. That was his desire to be there. But as we read this, uh, I want to be careful and I encourage you to be careful. It doesn't necessarily mean that the team was only there for three weeks. We don't know for certain how long they were there in Thessalonica. But the church at Philippi sent the team two offerings to help them in their missionary journey. And you'll find that in Philippians 4, 15, and 16. Paul also makes mention in the book of 1 and 2 Thessalonians that he labored night and day to meet his needs while he was with them. And you'll find those verses in 1 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 through 10. So they did spend some considerable time in this city. Maybe between two and four months, we don't know for certain. We see once again what Paul would do, though, whenever he came to a city that had a synagogue. He would go to those Jews, and he would try to explain. Please hear that. He would try to explain the Old Testament scriptures to them about Jesus being the Messiah, the Christ. Messiah, Hebrew, Christ, Greek. He didn't give up on his fellow Jews, but tried to reach them in every way possible. And we find here that he did what? He reasoned with them. Notice that in verse 2, the middle towards the end. Reasoned with them from the scriptures. That word reason there, and I'm not a Greek scholar. You can get the books, you can look this up. That word reason there, it means to say thoroughly. To say thoroughly. To discuss in argument or exhortation in argument or exhortation and sometimes when we think of argument we think of arguing where you might just have a position that could be called an argument I'm, I'm stating my position I'm not arguing with you but I'm stating my position I personally believe that Paul was arguing with these men but was exhorting them by explaining the scriptures who the Messiah was and I take this from 1 Corinthians 14 3 but he who prophesies, he who speaks the word of God, 
He who speaks out specifically in the context of 14 is when the church assembles for one of those afterglow experiences and someone stands up to share the word that is prophesying, speaking forth the word of God, speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men or mankind. So that's the goal that Paul has. Remember that the Jews were looking for the conquering Christ and not a suffering servant in their Messiah. So Paul had to take the time to show them the various scriptures. Why is this important for you and me today? We don't want to argue religion. You don't want to argue religion. Somebody knocks on your door, don't argue about Joseph Smith. Take them to Jesus. Take them to the scriptures. Don't go down that road of arguing about their religious doctrine because they will argue back and you will not win them. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So we need to explain, well, who is Jesus to you? That's what I'll ask them. Who is Jesus to you? And after I give them a minute or two to share, then I will say, well, this is who Jesus is to me. And I'll share some scriptures that I have memorized to show them that I can back up what I believe. And that's what we want to do is share the scriptures, explain the scriptures. Uh, Even asking them, you have Jesus Christ on your name tag. Do you know what Christ means? I've not had one Mormon explain to me what that means yet. They do not even know what Christ means. So you have to lovingly take the time to explain to them what it means to possibly open their eyes or at least plant some seeds that their spiritual eyes might be open to the truth of God's word. So Paul had to take the time to show them the various scriptures that were fulfilled in both aspects by one man, Jesus. How do I know that? Well, the next verse tells us explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer. Notice that, explaining and demonstrating that the Messiah, the Christ, had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And again, New Testament, I'm doing this for people that might be watching. New Testament was written in the Greek, so Christ is Greek. Messiah, Old Testament, Hebrew. So Paul was going to the synagogues and talking about the Messiah, the Messiah. But with our New Testament, it's the Christ. The same meaning, the anointed one. So he's he's explaining and demonstrating. Uh, Explaining means to open thoroughly. To open thoroughly. Uh, Demonstrating, it means to place alongside. So think about that. To place alongside. You see, Paul was taking his knowledge and experience of the scriptures and placing the life of Jesus alongside those scriptures. He wasn't beating them up with the scriptures, but exposing the truth that was held within the scriptures. Now, there are some Christian ministries out there that will beat people up with the scriptures. It's not healthy, and I, be, I personally don't believe it's, it's biblical. This is what's what's happening here is biblical. Taking the time to explain it. If they don't want to hear it, well, then obviously they they don't want to hear it. 
but maybe taking that time, that the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one had come as a humble servant. You see, Paul pointed to Jesus as fulfilling the scriptures of the suffering servant. Even the disciples didn't want to hear about that. Remember the disciples? And several times as Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer at the hands of the Gentiles, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die. I'm paraphrasing it, you can find it. He says, I'm going to die. He literally says, I will die. And their minds immediately shut off. They didn't hear what he said. And whenever he said, I'm going to die, he would also say, but on the third day, I will rise again. They didn't hear that. They did not hear that instantly because you're the conquering Christ. You are the king of kings. You're going to rule over Rome. And it just went, boom, right over their head. Until he died, rose again, ascended into heaven, and 50 days later, once the Holy Spirit came in in them, upon them, then, bing, now we remember what he said. Now we remember what he meant. And that's when they started to explain Jesus had to suffer. We didn't realize that before, but now we understand Jesus had to suffer. To this day, Orthodox Jews will not listen to you as a Christian about a suffering servant. They they will not hear that, even though you can point them to Psalm or Isaiah 53. No, that doesn't apply to our to our Savior. That's why they're going to receive the Antichrist, that one man who is called the Antichrist. Not the spirit of Antichrist, because the Spirit's in many people, but they are going to receive that one man who is the Antichrist. See, Jesus didn't remain in the grave, as I mentioned. He rose up the third day to fulfill the scriptures of the conquering Christ. He conquered death. And I would, I would have loved to have heard this teaching because Paul explained how to see Jesus through the writings of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. How do I know this? Well, let's look at Acts, or, I mean Luke 24. Let's look at Luke 24. And again, at home, we encourage you, get your Bible. Get your Bible. If you don't have a Bible... Email us, we'll send you a Bible, office at ccofqc.org. Email us, we'll gladly send you a Bible. Luke chapter 24. Now behold, two of them, two disciples who were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. What things? The crucifixion. So it was while they conversed in reason that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. They're walking along, talking about what's taking place. And all of a sudden, as you're going to read here, I'm just going to give you a little clue. A stranger joins them. Just who knows where he came from, but all of a sudden, out comes Jesus. So it was while they conversed in reason that Jesus himself drew near them and they went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Now guys, remember, he's in his glorified state. You know, when we die, I personally believe our bodies are going to be like when we were when we were 25. You know, really good looking, in shape, could bend over and get back up, not a problem. But they didn't recognize him. If you had a person who died and went to heaven, and if they showed up the next day, they were close to you, you wouldn't recognize them. They'd have their perfect body. You wouldn't, you wouldn't recognize them. 
That's why they couldn't recognize Jesus. But their eyes were restrained so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Notice that. Jesus noticed. God notices. He notices us. God noticed. You're sad. You're sad. Something's wrong. Then one of those named Cleopas answered and said to Jesus, <laughs> now do you think he's going to say this in a, a loving tone? Probably not. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of the tone. I don't know for sure, but are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in, those, in these days? I'm sure there was some inflection of what's the matter with you? Where have you been? <laughs> what a question to ask Jesus. But I love what Jesus does. And Jesus said to them, what things? What things? Why? Why does God do that to us? He knows where our heart's at. But as we maybe verbalize something or as we think it through, we then hear where our own heart is at. Oh, I thought my heart was here, right with God. But now once something happens and it affects me, I really see that my heart isn't right here. Which means my heart wasn't right with God in that one specific area. Don't, don't get drastic. and Nobody get drastic. <laughs> Just that, maybe that one area. And God exposes that, like we sang this morning. And now we need to say to God, God, I'm so sorry transform that area transform that why 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 is that why is my heart like that so they said to him the things concerning jesus of nazareth who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before god and all the people now notice what they're explaining to this stranger he was he was a prophet and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him but we were hoping that it was he. What are they saying? We were hoping that he was the conqueror. That he truly was the king and that he was going to wipe out Rome. That's what we were hoping for. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him, Jesus, they did not see. Then Jesus said to these two disciples, they were disciples, not the apostles, but two disciples. So these were two individuals that were intimate with Jesus, knew Jesus, hung out with Jesus, touched him, ate with him. They knew who Jesus was. Then he said to these two disciples, as the Holy Spirit says to us at times, O foolish ones, and that's not a mocking or a put down. As you look up that word, it just means unknowing, unlearned, ignorant. Ignorance is you're unlearned or unknowing. We can use it as a put down or we can use it as, you know, you're just ignorant of this fact. Let me educate you. 
We can say it in love. We can do it in love. O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Notice that word all there. Because guys, we're in the same situation today. Jesus is coming back. And before he comes back to this earth, he said, Jesus said, it will be as it was in the days of Lot. It will be as it was in the days of Noah. And as Christians, we sometimes don't want to receive that because we want everything to be comfortable like it's always been for most of us in our lives. We don't like the idea of possibly losing things, of a market collapsing, of losing our jobs, of mayhem taking place, which if you don't realize it, let me bring you up to speed, mayhem is taking place in America. This is not normal in America. If you're watching in another country, this is not normal in America. This is Satan, driven by Satan. Mayhem is taking place. Notice in verse 26, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? So he just asked them a question. You have the scriptures, but you believe something other than the scriptures. And there's many Christian churches that have risen up in the last 10, 20, 30 years. It's called health and wealth. Blab it, grab it, confess it, possess it. Where everything's supposed to be happy, hunky-dory. And we're all going to be fine. And everything's fine. Just think positive thoughts and everything will be fine. Where are they right now? Are their positive thoughts helping at all? It's not about positive thoughts. It's about a heart transformation. It's about preaching the gospel If you don't know Jesus, things are not going to change. And notice what Jesus does, which to me confirms what Paul did. Because Paul would have followed the ultimate example, which you and I need to follow the ultimate example. What did Jesus do? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Oh, how I'd love to have this study. Everyone would love to have this study. Notice that. And all the prophets. He expounded to them in all the scriptures, not just a few, pick and choosing here and there, but he ran through those scriptures, the things concerning himself. Skip down to verse 32. Now, as you read the rest of the story, Jesus enters with them into their house. They break bread. He's revealed. He disappears. But verse 32 is the key to our study this morning. Then they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us. Notice that, guys. Did not our hearts burn? You see, right now, your mind might be burning about what you're seeing on TV, what you're hearing on social media, what you're observing taking place in our country, and your mind is on fire. It's easy to get there. Believe me, it's easy to get there. I limit, Clyde and I limit what we watch and listen to because of that very fact. But as you put your heart into the word of God and you make sure that the word of God is above our constitution, this is one of the problems that has creeped into the church. Many Christians are putting the constitution above the Bible. The Bible does not say we have a right to bear arms. The Bible says we have a right to die for Jesus by proclaiming that he is the only way, truth, and life. Not my 357. Not my nine millimeter. No. 
He is the only way to eternal life. Be careful that we don't get caught up in what's taking place, but that we get caught up in the word of God and realize what has to take place before Jesus comes back. Well, pastor, they've been saying that for thousands of years. They've been saying that for a little less than 2,000 years. But you always want to remember these basic facts. Jerusalem was annihilated. Israel was dispersed. They were regathered in 1948. Jerusalem became the capital city. And I personally believe that's what started the prophetic clock ticking in 1967. And Jesus said, when you see that happening, when you see the regathering, when you see Jerusalem being part of Israel again, that generation will not pass before my return. So don't believe the lie. Well, he might come back in two or 300 years. I don't think anybody's living 200, 300 years. So that's not biblical. No matter what your grandmother said and great-grandmother and great yeah, they had that hope. They wanted Jesus to come back. In 1918, when, five, when 50 million to 80 million people were dying of a virus, do you not think that they were saying, Jesus got to be coming back? Jesus has to be coming back. World War II, do you not think that Christians were saying, this is it, Jesus is coming back. But Jerusalem was not a nation. I mean, Israel was not a nation. And Jerusalem was not part of Israel. So it didn't apply. Now that that's happened, it applies. We cannot blow it off as Christians. We cannot blow it off. Jesus is coming back, guys. Is your heart burning for what Jesus is doing or is your mind burning about what's happening to our country? Believe me, I am deeply grieved. But I'm way more excited about Jesus coming back. So make sure your mind, I encourage you, make sure your head's in the right place. You know, as I look back over the years, so how can we apply what we're learning here? I I can see the Lord has allowed me to go through certain situations so that I might be able to help someone else one day. Paul's going through certain situations, jail time, being chased. The scriptures come alive when you are in a fiery trial, as well as everyday life, daily devotionals. And the wonderful truth of the word is that the Holy Spirit will grant you the wisdom to understand the scriptures If you ask him to, young people, this is so important. Older saints, you've heard this, but you younger people, you younger saints, the scriptures are real and they will come alive if you read them and ask the Holy Spirit, give me wisdom, I don't understand this yet. What what were the days of Noah like? What were the days of Lot like? You ask that simple question and you read from Genesis to Revelation, young people, he's going to show you. He's going to show you what it was like because the scriptures tell us what it was like. In the days of of Noah, there was abundance. There was abundance of wealth. There was leisure. There was good times. There was marrying and there was being given in marriage, which is the word given there in in the Hebrew is continuous repetitious action. I'm sorry, in the Greek, when Jesus makes reference to it. In the Greek, it's continuous repetitious action. Marry, divorce, marriage, divorce, marriage, divorce, marriage, divorce. It also says in the days of Noah, there was violence upon the face of the whole world. There was violence upon the face of the whole world. We don't like that. It's in the Bible. Days of Lot, homosexuality, homosexuality. And yesterday, there was a march in Phoenix, where the homosexual community came alongside the black community and said, we are one, we're persecuted by our choices. You're persecuted because of your race. 
but we're being persecuted by our choices, which they say is really, no, no, we're just, we're, we're like a race as well. So we're just like you folks. We're being persecuted just like, no, no, lie from the pit of hell. Lie from the pit of hell. Now, just so you know, and don't take it out of context over the web, God loves every single person on the face of this earth. Eight billion people. God loves them. But you're trying to change the mind. God wants to change your heart. You need a savior. You need a savior. Your march is meaningless. You need a savior. So he will come alongside you and open your mind thoroughly to the truths found within the word of God. He does this so that we might minister those scriptures to others within the body of Christ. And again, that's why we need you here. Because the Holy Spirit's ministering to you. The Holy Spirit ministers to all of us, not just me, to all of us via the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit is revealing the scriptures to me and I have the opportunity to come alongside someone else and bless them. And I'm sure that there are many here today that could give a similar testimony. Who could say the same thing about, and that that is exactly what Paul is doing here. God has used you in the past. And you might be saying, well, he's not using me now. Well, why isn't he using you now? Maybe because you're not in the word and you're not proclaiming the word. All the marches in the world are not going to change the heart. The word of God is what changes the heart. A personal relationship with Jesus is what changes the heart. You see, the message of Jesus is the only answer for today's issues. It's not about focusing on racism, hatred, slavery, or whatever the current issue may be. This is just the current issue today. It's about opening the Bible and inviting the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us, to teach us thoroughly about Jesus and his ways. Every person needs a heart transformation, and when that takes place, then the issue of the day will be evaluated by the truth found within God's word, and that makes all the difference in the world. You see, as I open the word on a regular basis, I will be able to come alongside someone. This is what we're learning here this morning, guys. This is what I hope I can convey to you. As you open the word on a regular basis, you will be able to come alongside someone else and help them to see the blessings within the scriptures. But I need to be in the word in order to do that. If I'm not in the word, young people, if you're not in the word, how are you going to help your classmates? How are you going to help someone who's contemplating suicide? How are you going to help them? By just saying, oh, don't do that. That's not going to help them. But when we take the word of God, you know, God loves you. For God so loved the world. Let me put your name there. For God so loved Jim that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish. Eternal separation from God, but have eternal life. That could possibly save them. Not just sitting there saying, wow, I'm sorry that you're having those feelings. You don't need to do that. That might help a little bit, but not a whole lot. Again, the answers to all of life's trials, circumstances, tribulations, situations are found within the covers of our Bible. It's just a matter of spending some time reading it and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us into what? All truth. What did Jesus say? The truth will set you free. Verse 4 of 17, Acts 17, and some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few, now this sounds like kind of weird to us, we wouldn't say not a few, we'd say a lot, of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the religious Jews, I'm going to insert religious there because we don't want to think of this as all Jews were against Paul and Silas because they were not. It was the religious Jews. But the religious Jews who are not persuaded, becoming envious, envious of what? Crowds. People coming to know God took some of the evil men from the marketplace. It sounds a lot like politics today. 
And gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. You see, they accused Paul and his team of turning the world upside down, which is, it's a pretty interesting idea, seeing that the world has already been upside down. You see, what Paul was actually trying to do was instruct the people of God's love, and that's for you and I to do, of God's love for them so that they might become right side up. I was upside down. I wasn't right side up and got turned upside down when I knew Jesus. I was upside down going to hell. And when I came to know Jesus, I got right side up. I'm right with God now. You and I, we are now right side up. Verse 7 through 9, Jason had harbored them or allowed them to live with them. And these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. You know, it's kind of interesting up in Seattle, whether it's happening or not happening with all the fake news. Who knows? Claude and I are talking about it. You know, some people are saying, well, those aren't real pictures and this and that. Who knows? But this is a fact. Here's a simple fact. I'm very simple. It's just a simple fact. Do away with the police. Just do away with the police. And there are going to be a group of people that are going to rise up with guns who are going to become the police. Because there has to be an order of control. There has to be. Otherwise, we will kill each other totally. That's just reality whether it's with a rock or a machete or our hands or a gun or a noose, whatever it may be, we will kill each other. And that's why we have a control over us. It's just our base nature. And that's what's happening in Seattle. That one area that's being cordoned off, there's no police here. Hey, we've got it all under control. There's no police. What did you just say? We have it all under control. Oh, somebody's in control. I, I thought everybody had a say and everybody could just do what they all want to do. Oh, no, 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 no. We, and there are a few people that have taken control. So they've kicked out the, poli- the police so that they could have a police state. And we're now the police. Duh. It doesn't work, unfortunately. They're just not that bright. So when they had taken security from Jason... And rest, and the rest, they let them go. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Again, notice what took place. Okay, we're going to another city. We're going from Thessalonica. We're going to Berea. What are we going to do? We're going to find the Jews. We're going to find a synagogue. We're going to find those who have the scriptures. These were, fair, were more fair-minded. Uh, King James says noble. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Let's camp on this for a few minutes. That is so, I have that whole verse highlighted. There's so much there. It says, these Jews in Berea were more noble in the King James or fair-minded here in the New King James. That word means readiness of mind, readiness of mind. It means zeal 
or eagerness, zeal or eagerness. What were they eager to do? What did they have a zeal for? To search the scriptures. They listened to what Paul had to say about the scriptures and then searched the scriptures themselves, just like a Sunday morning. If I'm sharing the word of God with you, I'm sharing what the Holy Spirit has shared with me, I'm sharing it to you. You need to evaluate that via the word of God. If I'm out of whack, you need to humbly come to me and I humbly need to receive you. Just one-on-one, private, personally. You are allowed to correct me just so you know. I have an open door. If I'm saying something unbiblical, you are allowed to come to me and correct me. I have no issues with that. Just bring the scriptures, not just your opinion. Make sure you bring the scriptures because we want to talk about the scriptures. And so search the scriptures. You see, this is, this is a definite good practice to get into. We should be searching the scriptures ourselves to be aware of what is being taught. It's the only way to know if a person's message is counterfeit or not. 1 John 4, 1 says this, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try. And that word try means to test, to examine, to prove, to scrutinize. Well, I thought we weren't supposed to judge. Read your Bible. You're called the judge. The spirits, whether they are of God, because there's a lot of antichrist spirits. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Very, very important. If the message doesn't line up with the whole counsel of God, then beware. Another way of saying it is, just don't blindly receive the word of God. Check it out yourselves. Verse 12. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. You see, after they searched the scriptures, notice what took place. Paul came in, he preached. Then they went back and they searched those same scriptures. Is this lining up? Does this make sense? After they searched the scriptures, they came to the same conclusion as Paul's, that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the Christ. And I challenge you at home, do the same thing. Just don't sit there mad or getting ready to turn off the TV. Many of you probably already did. But those who are hanging in there, Search the scriptures to see if these things are so that we're talking about here this morning. Again, we, didn't, we, we see not only did the Jews come to believe, but many Gentile women, men and women came to the saving knowledge of Jesus. I want to make this statement and make it perfectly clear. What happened in Thessalonica? Jews and Gentiles came together. Interracial church was established. What's happening in Berea? Jew and Gentile came together interracial church was established. What, what brought them together? Their minds? Their hearts. Yes, they used their mind to search the scriptures, but they went to the scriptures, searched their hearts. The hearts said, yes, you are a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Whether you're a Jew or Gentile, boom, we're one. Again, that's the answer we need even for this day. So even though in Thessalonica thought to cause trouble, the Lord used it to move Paul onto the city of Berea to spread the good news there. And we see once again what the enemy meant for discouragement, the Lord used for his glory. The fruit of the team's movements was that many more came to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Verses 13, then when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul in Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Isn't that sad? This would never happen today, right? It happened to us. When you teach the word of God in a religion, you will be asked to leave if you just teach the word of God because the word of God goes against religion doc, religious doctrines. The word of God went against our religious doctrines. We had to leave. Just the way it is. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. 
But both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. Interesting. The simplicity of a relationship with God via Jesus Christ doesn't sit well with religious people. Why? I just come up with a simple answer. Because they don't have a relationship with God. They have a relationship with the church. They have a relationship with their religion. And I'll ask this even of those who knock on my door. Can you, relieve, can you leave your religion today and still be saved? Do you know what every single one of their answers has been? Every single, every single person I've asked that, their answer has been what? Yes or no? No. Really? You leave your religion and you're damned? Yes. That's why the religious people didn't like what Paul was doing. He was giving people freedom. You see, I could leave Calvary Chapel and go to Rock Point, I'd still be saved. I could leave Rock Point and go over to Heart Cry and I could still be saved. I could leave Heart Cry and go to Mountain View and I'd still be saved. Why? Because Jesus is my God. Jesus is my Savior. Not religion. If you're here this morning or if you're watching and you're seeking religion, you're lost. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why. So it makes you think that you can have one. We can't have one. We got to do all this stuff in our religion. What makes you think you can have one so freely? Religious people do not like it at all. So the next stop we'll get into next week is Athens. Athens. So I encourage you to read ahead. We'll probably cover verses. Uh, the, we'll probably cover the rest of the chapter. Read ahead. But for this morning, guys, the bottom line, get into the word of God. Get into the word of God daily, regularly. And allow the Holy Spirit to do what in your hearts? Didn't our hearts burn? You see, I, I want to share this real quick as the music team comes up. The youth group, I'm just so blessed by the youth group. The high, I'm saying junior high and high school. But the high schoolers went up a couple weeks ago on a retreat. And they went up for four days and they heard the word of God. They had fun. They went out and did things. They had a good time. But they had the word of God taught to them regularly every single day. And you could see in their lives that their hearts were burning to hear what they heard. And how do we know that? Because their lives responded accordingly. Fruit started to come forth in their lives, even in that short time frame. That's how you'll be able to know if your heart's burning for the word of God or if it's like, oh yeah, he said I got to read my Bible again. Yeah, well, I got other things to do. It's your heart, not mine. I have to keep my wicked heart in check by the word of God. If I don't read the Bible, you're not going to like me and I'm not going to be your pastor. That's just reality. So get into the word of God, guys. Get into the word of God. It will transform your life and it will transform your heart, which will then transform your mind. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. And we know we're living in difficult days and we still have responsibilities. We do need to go out and work. I mean, that's reality. We have house payments or car payments or business payments. We, we have to take care of these things. Father, we grieve for all those businesses that were burned and looted. Insurance is not going to cover that. Many people lost their life savings in one night up in flames or or their, their products stolen and cannot be replaced, their windows 
trashed, their furniture trashed. Father, this is not right. This is not the word of God. This is not the love of God. These are not transformed lives. This is our base nature to steal, kill, and destroy. There's no justification for any of this. So, Father, guard our hearts that we don't get caught up in the debate. We know it's wrong. But help us take somebody to Jesus that they might be made right. We're not going to argue them out of marching. We're not going to argue them out of taking a stand against injustice. We should take a stand against that. But God, not every policeman is, in, in, is, is bad. Just like not every teacher, every dentist, every doctor. There's a few bad in every career. But according to your word, there's no one good, no, not one. We are all sinners in need of a savior, whatever career we might have. So Lord, help us to be responsible to keep doing what you've called us to do as Bible-believing Christians, to be busy about our business, but also your business, to not have imbalance in, any, in either one of those areas, but to make sure we always have balance. My business, your business. For people need Jesus. People are still dying of cancer, heart attacks, People are still dying of diabetes as well as the virus. Lord, help us to be available this week for your glory. And Father, thank you for these saints and we do pray for the saints that are staying away, not out of fear, not out of anything else, but they're just, yeah, I don't want to go anymore. I'm, I'm comfortable. Lord, we pray for those souls that you would make them uncomfortable that they realize, no, I need to be in fellowship. Lord, we pray for those who are in lockdown mode. We grieve for those saints who want to be here, but they, they can't. We do grieve for them, and we ask you bless them, encourage them, strengthen them. Help us to keep calling them and checking on them and, and loving them over the phone. For we know these elder care centers and, and assisted living and independent living places, they're, they're on lockdown for three months now. So, Father, help us to call them. That's, that's their only contact. Help us to remember them and call them and love on them. They're not too busy. I can guarantee you that, Father. Use us, Lord, this week, however you see fit, for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's all stand, guys. God bless you. Stay in the word. Stay in the word. God wants to use us in our workplace, in our neighborhoods. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Have a blessed week, guys. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.